We are rolling. Thank you for listening. My name is Tom, and you are listening to Abroad Madness. And here we go with the continuation of the last episode. I mean, since we are like on the note of Niigata, you, do you want me to talk about why I went to Niigata? Yeah, sure. <laughs> thank you, <laughs> thank you for leading the conversation. <laughs> I mean, since we're on the topic, right? Because um, so when I was in Niigata, I didn't see a a single Singaporean except for like this one tourist at a shrine. Uh. And I, that's why that's why I hung out with like the oh, Malaysians. Yeah. So yeah. I, like, I was like looking for Singaporeans, and I couldn't find anyone who would speak with the same accent I did. Yes. Um. There was one Singaporean exchange student the year before me. Yes. But again, just just one. Yeah, I think that so, yeah that was the only one that I've met. I was also surprised. I was like, oh, a Singaporean. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, first of all, when you say Niigata, people are like where is Niigata? Yeah. Right. So actually, before I went to Niigata and applied for the program, I also didn't know where Niigata was. It's fine. I also <laughs> didn't know where Niigata was when before I, like you know, tried to enter the university. So the reason I went to Niigata is because again it was funded. <laughs> <laughs> that was so, the I only. Mean, that was the only program. Um, I mean there were many programs, but when I travel, right, my family is middle class family. I feel like if I want to go overseas, I kind of need some kind of like subsidy for it. Yes. Or some kind of funding for it. I I don't feel good, you know, like making my parents pay the full sum. Now, now you're so making me was, feel guilty, but sure. I mean, uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I get it. I get it. Some yeah. people have different mindsets, so it's different. Yeah, and of course, there are other people who like think even what I'm doing is not fiscally responsible enough, because I still, you know, get pocket money and yeah, you know, and you know. I worked like hard to get to where I am, so f you guys. Um, I I mean. I feel like okay, I might not be the most filial child, but I tried. Okay, <laughs> it was there was a discount. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um anyway um the when I was thinking about going overseas for exchange in year two year three, there were many programs that my university offered. So like Italy, Israel, oh. UK, US, of course. Um, Australia, like many many places, but most of these didn't have guaranteed scholarship, and they were in places which would be expensive to live in without a scholarship. Say the UK or the US. In contrast, Japan, like the one I was on, the like JASO. Yeah, yeah, this, yeah. So this scholarship provided by the Japanese government. Yes. It's it was it was like bundled up together with my exchange program. So for even for the other Japanese schools, you kind of have to apply separately. So you don't know if you will get the scholarship and funding before you start your program or before you apply for your program. But for me, when I applied for my program, I already knew that I would definitely have an allowance while I was in Japan, and that was why I decided to apply for this program. Ah,、uh, and then this program sent you to Niigata. Ah,、uh, it's a it's a program between Niigata University and Peking University.、Oh. So it's actually a really really like long standing program. One of my professors in Peking University was actually on this same exchange program when he was in school. Okay. Wow, that's so long. It's been like over twenty years, I think. Damn. Which is really surprising because I yeah, mean, yeah, right. Niigata, Niigata University is a is a state <laughs> school and it's a it's 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 a pretty, it's a decent school. Yeah. But it's definitely not like as famous a school as say like Tokyo, Tokyo University. Tokyo University. Yes. Right. But this program has actually been really like long lasting. So after I found found out about that, I was like, oh nice! I was in the same program as my professor. So one reason why I I decided to apply for the program to Niigata University is because of the cost, right? 
And the second reason was also because there was a longer program. It was, it was for two semesters. Uh, I think yeah. many many exchange programs are only for like one semester. Yes. So, like half a year, and I felt that because I'm someone who's like much like slower pace, I thought that it wouldn't be enough for me to really immerse myself in Japan. So I I was looking for a longer program as well. So those those were the two reasons why I decided on the on the program to go to Niigata, and then I started researching about Niigata. <laughs> yeah, actually, I was actually quite conflicted about it because it was one entire year of exchange, which meant that after that, when I returned back to my home university, I would have to do much more catching up, and I wasn't sure how many credits I could convert because in my home university, I'm. In the school of international studies, I study international politics. In Niigata University, I'm attached to the Faculty of Law. Yes, and which it's are kind of <laughs> kind of different. I know, I know, because I have a lot of friends who who had the same struggles as you did. Yeah, and um, in Niigata University, most of my lessons are like Japanese lessons to learn Japanese. Yes, and because I'm not a Japanese language major, these lessons couldn't be like transferred as credits back to my home university. Plus, I didn't know Japanese before I reached Japan, so I couldn't take a lot of Japanese top programs either. I still took one, and I got pretty bad marks for it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, I enjoyed it because, but that I will tell, I'll talk about that program later and why yeah. I think that's a good idea. But that meant that I couldn't choose a lot of modules. Also, I was limited to like the few English modules they had, and it just so happened that the year I went, a lot of English-speaking professors. Went on exchange to other universities overseas, so the already small pool of English-speaking <laughs> teachers shrank while I was there. I didn't so, know that. Okay. So I mean, so like um, before we 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 applied, right? When they were yeah. assessing whether or not to let us go on this program, we had to write like a study plan. So I went to search up like the modules at Niigata University that I wanted to take, and I wrote them down like this professor's module, and this professor was on exchange. At Harvard, I think, oh, when I went to Niigata University, wow. so I missed him, and he came back to Niigata for like a seminar, and I really, really, really liked his talk. Oh. So I knew that if he had been in Niigata University, I would have loved his lesson, but I couldn't take it because of was I just missed it. So, so long story short, there were some worries that I had because I didn't know how many credits I could transfer, all these very practical things. But in the end, I had a talk with my teacher back in Peking University. We weighed the pros and cons. And we decided that you know, just international exposure, just living in a different country, just the immersion in you know, Japan would be good enough reasons to go. So I went. I mean, how how was the whole result? Like, did you get what you wanted? Yeah, I did. I did. I really did. You know, there was actually this conversation that we had shortly before I left Japan, where I think I was a bit down. Because I felt like I hadn't done much in Japan. I'm not sure if you remember. I said like I did nothing, but like you know, wait. I said I've just been in my room the entire week. You know, I haven't gone to see all these places around Niigata. And then you said like for there was this year. I don't know if you're comfortable with me sharing, That's but right. was, you said there was this year where you basically did nothing but like ate and shed and slept. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you remember that? I mean, I know, but then yeah, just do do. Continue and refresh and my memory. I actually like wrote that line down in my private Instagram. Wow. Okay. And I look at that Insta- like that that line from time to time, because when I was in Niigata, that felt like a waste of time. You know, just staying in my room all day, not going out to like experience Japan. 
it felt like a waste of time. But after I left Japan, the moments that I remember and recollect most are the moments I spent in my room, the scenery, just the normal scenery outside my room, how my desk looked like, how my bed looked like, how my walls looked like, having my own kitchen, just daily life. It it was, I didn't realize that what was most precious to me was daily life until like half a year later. When you ask if I got what I wanted out of Japan, I would say that I didn't get what I set out to do, which was to become good at Japanese and to like really understand Japan and be an expert or something like that. I mean, none of that those things happen. And also, it's not realistic too. Uh, it is. Actually achievable if you are very if you're a really serious student. You're gonna be so, very tired. Not that that's that's be true because I managed to speak Japanese in one year. Mm-hmm. That's how I got into university. But it was constant every single day studying and just yeah, that's just nothing else. You did nothing else. Yeah, and then to get to know about Japanese people, I kind of halfway through just gave up on that. Like even now, I'm still finding out a lot of. Different things about Japan, so that's like something that you can never finish on. I mean, I agree with you on that, but at the same time, I do think that at least in terms of like language mastery uh-huh. and like academic ability, because uh, yeah. I was thinking of like using Japanese to like read, um, to like write my thesis or read more sources, right? Uh, okay. Very ambitious goals, but. I actually had batchmates. I had some schoolmates from Peking University. There's this Chinese boy and this Taiwanese girl. They went to Waseda University for one year, same as me. And one of them reached N two in one year. That 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 doesn't prove anything. No, that doesn't. I don't know. No, let me tell you this. Like, like just now, like before the whole podcast, I was shitting on my brother that oh he doesn't get like N two and blah blah blah. But the thing is, for Chinese people, Mm -hmm. this is not to be racist. But then the thing is, we know kanji. Mm-hmm. So it's very very easy for us to be able to take the test yes. and get really good marks. It's not that hard. It's really not that hard. But then to be able to speak it, that's a different. That's a different skill set. Being able to take tests and get really good score is a different skill set than being able to speak Japanese fluently and be able to convey your like. Feelings and like your your emotions and the things that you want to say is a very different skill set. So I mean, but even if it was something that's more easily achievable for her because she spoke she knew Chinese, mm-hmm. it was also something that I didn't achieve because <laughs> I also knew Chinese. So I I thought you know if I pushed myself harder, it wasn't something unachievable. So yeah, I was quite yeah. like oh okay. And what was more impressive to me was I had this schoolmate, um, this Chinese boy when it was Seda. He studied Japanese for one year in in China and another year in Japan. Yes. And when he came, went back to China, he wrote his thesis um on this Japanese, uh World War One like philosopher or something. Uh huh. Like this theorist, yeah. and he read so many like World War One era like writings in Japanese. He read so many of those like archival documents, and he wrote his thesis in Chinese about these Japanese documents. And in his preface. You know the thing you put at the start of your thesis. He wrote it in three languages: English, Chinese, and Japanese. And I was like, "Wow, you can do like such scholarship after <laughs> spending the same amount of time in Japan as I did." And I was like, "Wow, the sky has no limits." <laughs> 
I obviously didn't achieve all those academic yeah. um, accomplishments I wanted to achieve. But I don't regret how I spent my time in Niigata because I experienced daily life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You experienced the more chill side of Japan, I would say. I mean, if you think about it, right? Being able to experience daily life overseas is a luxury because that means that you would have had the time to like spend there. You know, if you were only there for two weeks, even if you did nothing, you wouldn't be able to experience daily life because you're just there for a short amount of time. But I think whether it's ironic or not, I don't know. But the thing about living somewhere is that you you end up taking it for granted. Yes. And that is when you are living there without being so constantly aware of being a foreigner and having to do like, you know, touristy things. Yes. So when I'm in Singapore, I don't think about having to go to like Marina Bay Sands. <laughs> you know? <laughs> or like, when I was in Niigata, I didn't feel like I had to go and see all the sites because I always thought that, you know, I have, I have, I have time to go. I'm just living here for one year. Yeah. And I think that was ironically or like, in some strange twist, the most valuable part about it. So yeah, very complicated. <laughs> 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 no, but then it's definitely very true. I mean, I'm just like kind of like really like taking in what you just said and just like thinking, have I ever had this like sort of luxury and stuff like that? Obviously not. <laughs> no, I mean, I think you might be experiencing it right now. Yeah, probably. Yes. But because like for me, my, my journey in Japan is till now not ending. It's still going on. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. my journey in Japan started when I was 18, when I didn't know shit, to now, I just know a little bit of shit. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm still definitely li- li- living life. Definitely, like, a lot of the things that I took for granted, I try to not be. I guess, like, I what I took for granted when I was a little, when I was, like, in university is being able to hang out with friends really, really quickly. Mm-hmm. Like everyone living very close, like in very co- close proximity to you. Mm-hmm. Like you can just like ask, hey, let's go out for a drink. And hey, let's go to the beach. Like one random text could lead to a whole party happening in like 15 seconds. Yeah, But that's also the characteristic of Japan and Niigata. Because if you were in Tokyo, yeah. the likelihood of your friends being around you would be higher. Yeah. Right? And because I'm in Singapore, right? If you stay in Singapore, even after you graduate, you're still in Singapore and you can still gather for drinks on a Friday. <laughs> so I think it's just, well, I mean, on one hand, it's also like time passed that you can't go back to. Yeah. You can't go back to your university days. Yeah, things yeah. are different. But on the other hand, you also have to admit that it's also because you're in Niigata. <laughs> or like because you're in Japan, a place with many prefectures, people travel and you can't just tr- cross prefectures that, you know, Every day, every weekend. One thing I've realized is as a working person, it's not mm-hmm. that easy to just like suddenly say, hey, I want to go do stuff. What we call it back then in Malaysia, we call it hot plan, hot planning. Like it's very oh. hard to just like, hey, I want to do this. Let's do it. It's very hard to find people to do that with. And it's also very hard to find time to do that as a working person. Because I mean, even this podcast, we had to plan <laughs> so yeah. far ahead. But then let's say, I mean, even with you and me, we do, tr- uh, we do plan a, a lot of our meetups. Like we're like, oh, like this week, let's go out and for like for, for a drink or something, but, or let's go out to eat or something. But then back in university, you don't get super tired. Like even I mean, like the next day, 
you you know you're gonna be hammered. You know you're gonna get like all the what the futsukayoi. I did a hangover. Yeah, hangover. <laughs> I forgot that word. Yeah, you're gonna get like a hangover, but then you're gonna be like, oh, it's fine. Like I just study. That's it. It's not that、I、big of a turn, deal. Yeah, I just turn. I just enter the Zoom room and turn off my camera and just lie on my bed. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. But then when you're working, it's you have to think about if you're the next day you're free or not. Like let's say today, oh yeah, like we're doing the recording on a on a Friday. So yeah, tomorrow I'm fine with just like staying up a little bit late. It's fine. But then if you're If you ask me, this is actually one of the conversation we had, like with one of my like colleagues. So last week we went for a barbecue on the beach、mm. with like three students from uni- like from university. So it's like a three working students and three students. So we originally said that we only want to stay at the beach for till four, and we're gonna back、AM? going back. Yeah, four、oh, p.m. Four p.m. Oh, okay. <laughs> like we start around like tw-、uh, ten, and we're gonna go ten、uh, as in we meet up and everything. And we're gonna、mm-hmm. go back at four. Obviously, it didn't end at four. We actually ended it at seven p.m. And to for、mm-hmm. us, because we have、uh, we have work the next day, me and my colleagues, we were like, "Oh, this is already very late. We're like super tired. We're so like we're not ready for the next day." But then、mm-hmm. our like student friends, they were like, "No, it's still early. Like, I want to play more. I want to play more." So like, this is where you see the difference. Like, even though. 8 p.m. is not that big of like it's still early technically saying,、mm. but then for us, I don't know why I feel like on Sunday we do need at least from like starting from Sunday 5 p.m. That's like a no go out time like for me. Like, I don't want to go out. I just want to stay in my room, stay in my house, and just recharge, just、mm-hmm. so that I can have like enough energy to go to work the next day. Because、mm-hmm. what happened for this week is. I got back home at around like nine p.m. and I was super super tired. And then the next day I couldn't do anything at work, so it did really affect my work life and stuff like that. So, I think that's like one of the things that was like different with like university and work life, I guess.、Mm, I agree, because I mean, when you're a when you're working at a company, yeah, you're kind of responsible to the company to be alive school, and actually. Be able、Doing、to do、work. shit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but when you're in university, of course you have to be responsible for your grades. But then it's just you and your grades, right? <laughs> yes. There's so, no the the only money、yeah. that's involved is like your parents' money and or your scholarship money, and that's it. And like maybe you just study like harder, closer to the exam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's what everyone does. So. Is I mean is 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 it the same in Malaysia also or is it Jap- Japan's work culture? What do you mean? Like, so for example, the reason why I say that it might be because you're in Japan where it's harder, where you know distance, where it's larger and distances are longer compared to Singapore where you know everything is closer together. It's because I've friends who like work full time. Yes. And they still like ask, oh, do you want to go for dinner tonight? And I'm like, oh, sure. And we just meet meet up because. Singapore is smaller, so it's easier to get to places after work. You know, so obviously your experience in Japan is kind of different from my experience in Singapore. Yeah, there's still a bit of there are still similarities. Like, um, my working friends do want to go back home earlier. Yeah, compared to when we were younger, but um, I would still say that hot planning、mm-hmm. can happen.、Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it's um. I think、if、it's, it's just like, like the thing, the my my friend groups are not as they used to be. I guess because, like as you said, just now, like all of the friends that they 
stayed. They grew up in Singapore. They basically stayed in Singapore. But then mm-hmm. all of my friends from uni, they went everywhere else. I have a lot of friends in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of friends from like in different countries, not even just in Japan. So it's like yeah. it's very hard to like hang out with those people once like you know time passed and they went back home. Mm. That's definitely one thing that I miss, I guess. Like to be able to connect with like foreigners so easily, like because everyone was like kind of gathered in that one group in the university, and then everyone is searching for a friend or just like someone to hang out with in university. So it was super easy to just do that. You just like, hey, let's go out. Yeah, someone would just respond. But then now it's just like, you have to plan with people and you have to find people. So yeah, I guess that's the hard part. I wonder if that changes how we think about friendship. When I was in Singapore, the friend groups I had were much more static, and much more long term. Let's say I had friends. I I made some friends in my first year of middle school. Yes. I would still see these friends all the way up to high school or even after high school. Yeah, yeah. But in when you start begin university, you meet a lot of exchange students, and you have to accept that at the end of the semester, they're just gonna go back home, and you yeah. don't know when you're gonna see them again. And you have to accept it, so you know that you know the friends you make are going to leave really soon, and you don't know how invested you want to be into it, you know how attached to this friendship you want to be. And at the same time, you know that after they leave, you're going to have another roommate, you're going to see another batch of international students. And you're going to be able to make friends among the new group, most probably. So yeah. I feel like how I view human relationships did change because of my university experiences no, with it, so yeah. many roommates coming in and out. It's definitely different, I guess. Like my first and second year, my second year was like the first time I've actually ever did that. I mean, I was heartbroken, like because it was like my first time being able to hang out with friends and like fr- people. Other than Japanese people who are all around, and I don't really get along with them that well. I'm not sure why. So it, I was obviously heartbroken, like when they go back, and then it took some time to get used to get like you know. You, if I felt bad, this is how I got really good at saying goodbyes and also really bad at saying goodbyes. Like it's very easy for me, just like oh yeah, okay, yeah, goodbye. Like I wouldn't shed a tear, I wouldn't be anything. But I also felt bad that I don't put like you know I don't show yes. you like a like it's good that I don't cry in front of you be like oh my god we're not gonna see each other again like I don't do that but then it's also kind of I feel kind of bad that oh like yeah this is like yeah we'll see each other why again. am I so, so numb <laughs> yeah yeah kind of like that I feel bad about it but I mean what can you expect I've been in university for six years so that means I kind of saw. I group I friended with almost I think four five or f- four or five batches of four uh, foreign exchange students and I said four like four or five times worth of goodbyes to everyone mm-hmm. and so it's it, I mean at the end of the day it kind of felt like it felt really numb it's like intro- you do the introduction again the same introduction and then you do the goodbyes again and the same introduction and the goodbyes again but then. What makes it special, I guess, is everyone is very unique. Mm-hmm. So with Definitely. every single person, you have a very unique experience. You have a very unique bond. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a very unique bond, a very u- unique story together. So that's mm-hmm. like probably what I guess makes me 
more willing to have this kind of relationship. In a way, it's also being willing to be vulnerable, yeah. right? I mean, I'm very willing to be vulnerable. I do not have a problem to be vulnerable. This episode is getting a little bit too long, so I'm just going to cut it here. If you're interested in binge listening to the next episode, head over. It's probably out right now. As always, thank you for listening. My name is Tom. This is Abroad Madness. And we'll see you next episode. Bye-bye.